Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to be welcoming you back to this brand new episode of the Learn to Love podcast. Some really exciting news to share with you. Over the weekend, our course, Love Smarter, Not Harder, was released. It was accepted. It's hosted now on the Udemy platform. That's U-D-E-M-Y. The course name is Love Smarter, Not Harder under the tag Relationship Coaching. So if you search Relationship Coaching, Love Smarter, Not Harder, you will find our course there. It is a really interesting course that talks about some of the things we've discussed so far on the podcast and is structured like lesson by lesson way. There's 70 components to the course. They are six quizzes, six reflection assignments, a unit test that has 40 multiple choice questions uh, with scenarios. There are several exercises that you do together with your partner. There's an article and TED talk that we reference. And most importantly, there is six hours, six hours of on-demand lectures, video recorded lectures. They are about three to six minutes long each on average. So we broke it down for you a lot. Um, There are about 60 of them. And they have a ton of clips there. So you can see like videos of talking. And then on top of that, you'll see um, actual video clips of partners having a conversation together or a role play. Or like, for example, when we talk about conflict resolution, we talk about venting, you can see like an explosion or a lot of steam coming off a pot. When we talk about the whole, think of your relationship like a car, you can actually see like videos of cars racing, which you put together, which is super cool. I'm going to play for you at the end of the show, um, a short two-minute clip about the course if you're interested in learning more, just so we can get right into the content. And another quick announcement before we continue, we have some special guests we're working towards lining up for you on the show, so stay tuned over the next couple of weeks for some guest speakers Um, some interviews that we're going to host. We're also going to do some interviews on other shows to spread the Learn to Love message and bring really meaningful and valuable content that we think will help you build a healthier and stronger relationship to the show. There's some really, really great minds 
super, super talented people with really amazing stories. And I'm so excited to bring to the show to share their experience with you, our beloved listeners. So let's get right into this show. I want to talk all about numbing. Numbing. Now, this relates a lot to the past couple episodes where we've been talking about feelings, specifically that feelings don't have IQ and that love is commitment despite those feelings glitching sometimes. We then talked about codependence, independence, interdependence, what that looks like in a relationship, the difference between them in the last episode, and how you have to really work on yourself. You have to take care of yourself to be physically and emotionally capable of engaging in a relationship and taking care of others or those feelings are going to glitch. Alternatively, you may burden too much on your partner. If you can't have a stable self-esteem without the partner, the partner is going to feel so much pressure, breaking pressure, which is not enough independence. Independence. Remember the relationship as a third entity. Now, the other reason we said you have to take care of yourself is because feelings glitch, glitch, especially when we don't take care of ourselves. So if you are not sleeping well, if you are not exercising and right and eating well, you're going to end up feeling bad a lot more of the time and blaming your partner for it because we like to make up stories kind of just the way that we see the world through the stories that we tell ourselves when we have a lot of bad feeling that we're bringing with us it's going to be really easy to carry that over to our partners intentionally or not intentionally it's just way easier when we take care of ourselves happiness and feelings are a little bit contagious due to our mirror neurons mirror neurons which we talked about in conflict resolution Basically, people's brains are designed to mimic sensations that they see in other people to understand the way that they feel. That's the way that we perceive and understand emotion, mere neurons. So we can extrapolate this a little bit to get to the main idea that if you are happy and cheerful, you may encourage that kind of feeling with your partner. I mean, a little bit obviously, we think that, but when you're kind of test, tense, stressed, you may not even notice that you, you feel this way, but your partner is likely going to pick it up because of those mirror neurons, and they are going to feel similar to you. A way that we can think about this analogy, as we discussed already on the show, but I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's so important, is to think about people as mere reflections of what we bring to them. So generally, if we come with a smile and we come with good intent, remember in, ang in uh, anger and conflict resolution, we said we have to model what we want to see to others. We're often going to get that. And now, not in the case of abuse. So we had that episode on abuse, extreme situations where things like scapegoating might be involved when they're looking for someone to blame for their partner for their experiences and they choose their partner, then that's a time where we need to seek professional help, okay? Um, that would be like a, a bit of an extreme situation. If you want to learn more about abuse, scapegoating, all that, check out our 
episode on my rights in the relationship. So we said in the last episode that we're going to talk here all about numbing. Numbing. I think that there is an unfeeling epidemic. There is a numbing epidemic that we are living in today around the world, especially amongst younger audiences. This was the first essay that I wrote, actually, about the the Learn to Love um, idea when I was researching for it. Um, It's going to form a chapter of a book that we're working on. It will likely be released as an e-book. We'll go through a few drafts um, and other books before we go to print um, just to practice the style of writing. If you are a writer on the show, um, I'd love to hear with, from you some tips on producing a great uh, literary book. Okay. Let's talk about numbing. Okay. The unfeeling epidemic. I was first exposed directly to the concept of numbing by Shauna Nyquist in her book, Present Over Perfect. Now, this is a really, really interesting book, Present Over Perfect, where she basically writes about a midlife crisis that she discovered that she had as she was dissatisfied with her relationship with her husband and with her children. I want to tell you a little bit about her story because I think that a lot of us listeners listening can relate. So Shauna, in in her book, she is working a lot. She she'll stay late to work. She'll go travel. She'll she's she's always working like extra hours on her job. Okay, because she feels stressed that she's not a good enough mother, that she's not there for her children, for her husband, for her family. And she feels a little bit like she is just not an effective parent, not an effective partner. And it feels so bad for her to think about that that she doesn't want to think about it. So what she does is she keeps working. She stays late at work. She keeps essentially distracting herself from the thought that she is an ineffective parent or that she's like a bad partner. And eventually what happens is the work is triggering the thought. So she is upset that she can't be home so much with the children and that she's not so close to her children and to her partner. So she keeps on working. But the more that she works in her job, the less time that she's there with her children and her partner, which in turn makes her even more stressed, which leads her to work even more, which leads her to have even less time with her children, with her partner. And I'm sure you can kind of understand where this is going. So she's stressed that she's not home enough and she doesn't want to think that she's stressed, okay? So she works more to distract herself from the thought of it, which that makes her even more stressed, which then leads her to work even more, which then makes her even more stressed because she's spending even less time at home now, which eventually leads to a midlife crisis where she discovers that she wants to be home, she wants to feel good enough, and she wants to feel present 
over perfect. That's the idea behind her book. She wants to feel in the moment that she's good enough, good enough where she is in life, instead of feeling like she can only engage when everything is perfect. She says often that a reason that she didn't engage in the first place is because she didn't feel like she was effective enough. She was good enough. So what she did is she just worked. And she, she kind of had the idea that, well, there, there are two things going on here. The first is that if I'm not good enough, then I don't want to engage at all because I want them to have the best. But then the other thing was that, that ignoring the stress of working created more stress because of just not being there. Now, the midlife crisis resulted in some very interesting changes, most notably was being there more for her family, taking less time on work, making more time to bond with her children and her partner, and just in a more engaging way, too. Like, she would describe how she would go to a cottage and sit by the lake and play with the children and just be present, talk to them, talk to her partner, or how they got a basketball net and they would play with the basketball net. Um, shoot some hoops in the front yard, um, and how she finally, after so many years of, of stress, 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 and never feeling good enough, finally feels good enough to engage with the family and with the children, like with the children, with the partner, and to also allow herself to do so, like feeling like that's something that she deserves, and it's okay to say no to some tasks so that she can be present and she can be engaged. Numbing. So how did she engage in numbing? Numbing was essentially when she said, I feel stressed about not being home, so I want to work instead to distract myself from that feeling of stress. And I think today, guys, that we are really, really numbing more than we've ever done before. We're distracting ourselves from negative feelings that we'd rather not feel because it is so easy to do it today. It has never been easier to disengage with the way that we feel. For example, you feel a little bit tense. What do you do? You open Instagram and you browse through the Instagram feed and you just enjoy skipping through and hitting the like button, getting some instant gratification. There's a whole bunch of effects of social media um, and health, which we'll talk about in later episodes. Uh, a lot of this comes from Nicholas Carr and his book, The Shallows, on the way the internet is affecting our brains. If you're interested in learning more about that, um, <laughs> overall, it can be quite negative if it is leading us to be more isolated, to be more alone, and to not engage in real hobbies. Okay, that's no, no surprise. Um, but let's get more into numbing. It is so easy today not to feel stressed, Instagram, stress, open YouTube, and watch YouTube videos, okay? You don't have to think. And I think a lot of us are choosing not to feel because either we feel that we're not allowed to feel, like we're not good enough, in essence, to, to feel, um, or we think that we are just so wrong for feeling in the first place. So the first is, for example, could be a thought that comes from a place of, you know, I have a good, I have a job, I have a partner, I'm not supposed to feel bad. Okay, so you try 
not to feel bad by distracting yourself from whenever you feel bad. Maybe. Another thing, though, I think, though, the second part was maybe we just feel like it's not okay to feel bad today. And I think social media exaggerates this a lot because whenever you open your social media feed, everyone just seems so happy. Everyone's smiling. Everyone looks like they have their life taken, you know, all together. Everything's going smoothly. Everything's going fine. And we're just thinking and we're like, well, everyone else has it so perfect. So, you know, I, I shouldn't be sad because no one else is sad. And this is really, really negative. I also think it's just so easy today. It's so easy not to feel. There's so many ways people can distract themselves. Some people liken the society we live in today to the instant gratification society. And because, because it's just so easy to be gratified. And what I think from doing this is that we're just numbing, numbing, numbing our emotions. I want you to ask yourself, when you felt sad or lonely or, or really down before, did you feel comfortable talking about that? Did you, did you try to really experience the feeling or did you instead just brush it off as something that's not important? What, ha- what happens is if we keep on numbing, kind of like what Shauna was doing where she wanted to, she didn't want to think about it, so she just stayed there at work. It didn't resolve the problem. It only made it worse until that midlife crisis emerged. And I ask you, what are some of the things that you've done that were like numbing in your own life? For example, have you ever worked late the way that she did? Or have you ever played a game on your phone whenever you felt stressed instead of going to your partner to talk about it? Do you not feel comfortable going to your partner to talk about it so you can choose instead to open a YouTube video or something? When you were younger, maybe if if you're like like in your 20s today or early 30s, or maybe we could just say like if, when you were younger in general, um, did you learn that it was easier just to open our devices and do something to distract ourselves than actually really think about what we were going through and, and feel and choose to feel? I think that we are so disconnected from our bodies today, our minds, our bodies, our thoughts. This was something so big when we talked about how to protect our hearts the smart way. Do you treat your thoughts as if there's something worth cherishing? Do you treat your dreams as if there's something worth pursuing? Do you treat your body as if it's something worth guarding and nurturing and taking care of? We have to take care of ourselves. Now, the reason I'm also bringing this up is because Robert Putnam, who was an American sociologist, also talked about this concept of numbing, but a little bit from a different perspective in his book, Bowling Alone. Now, Bowling Alone, which was released about 20 years ago, said that when, basically, the premise of the book is that there's a destruction of society in a sense of, like, connections between people, people wanting to come together and work together and help each other, because it's easier to please yourself by watching TV than to go and talk to your neighbors. And as a result of that, they are less, that's what's called bowling alone. They're less bowling clubs. A lot of us could ask our grandparents about 
um, if they ever were part of like a bowling society in North America, at least, you know, maybe yes, or billiards clubs or community events where people would meet and play games together and talk together. There used to be a lot of social connection in society. People used to really know their neighbors, and we still have that today through some religious organizations and other community organizations. But in general, the premise of the book was that over the past few decades, um, a lot of social cohesion, like social engagement, has decreased. People are more lonely than ever. People have less close friends than ever. People feel less comfortable talking about how they feel than ever before. And what outcome did he predict in the book 20 years ago that this would only get worse if technology continued innovating? And I think that is, in a large sense, what we have today. Today, there is so much loneliness. There are so many people who report not having any good friends that they can talk to about their feelings. And there's so much depression, anxiety. There's a lot of challenges in society that we face. Now, if you feel bad um, consistently over two weeks, and it's very, you're very down, this, this is like very, very, very important to seek professional help. Um, depression, anxiety, all these diseases which I'm talking about can be really, really improved through seeking professional help, okay? Please don't think that it's not okay to seek help or that it's not appropriate. Um, trust me, it will almost in a sense for many people, they describe the experience of like the clouds parting and the sun shining through. It just takes a little bit of professional intervention, whether that's through talk therapy or other devices, including medication, which works wonders for many people to make things better. Okay. So I just, I just brought that up because we touched on it. But, um, the idea here is in general that people feel very lonely, more lonely than ever before. And it's also harder for them to talk about that because it's easier, in a sense, to engage in another form of numbing, of distracting themselves through media consumption. And I really think that this is only going to become a much bigger problem, especially now in mid-2020 when we're recording, when the world is shifting more and more online. I wonder if universities will even have social engagement, in-person engagement following. Um, because if, if classes remove online, move all online, students won't go to campus anymore and they won't meet each other through like those random encounters where you, you know, randomly meet your friends in the hall or you see them walking and you engage and strike up a conversation and get together. I think that that's going to cause a lot, a lot more loneliness. But the thing that I just really, really want to focus on is I want to bring up this idea of numbing, of disregarding how you feel, okay? It used to be alcohol that was really big, and it still is in some senses today. But people are also numbing through their phones, social media, YouTube, choosing not to feel, instead of feeling, engaging with the body. And guys, it doesn't work, okay? Bessel van der Kolk talks a lot about this in his book, The Body Keeps the Score. If you distract yourself, in a sense, if your body is telling you something and you don't engage with it, it's just going to get worse. It's and If you ignore thoughts and actions that appear in your mind, they're just going to end up emerging in your body. 
through tension, stress, irritability, tiredness, erratic moods, erratic eating patterns, okay? It shows things you ignore in your mind appear in your body. But then what do we do? A big, big thing um, is actually a Buddhist technique that I learned in this book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris, which is an interesting book where the author goes to different meditation retreats and writes about the self-help world from a journalist, kind of like news reporter perspective. So it's actually kind of interesting. You get like a bit of an inside scoop on what authors of many of like the big self-help books in the early 2000s and era, like the start of the movement were like. Um, it's quite, it was quite funny to me, but also interesting. But he, he mentions this technique. It's called the RAIN technique. So it, it's R-A-I-N stands for recognize, acknowledge, investigate, and non-identify. And I want you to try to use this technique and see how it works for you when your body is trying to tell you something, when there's stress, when there is like anxiety or tension or something, when your body is trying to tell you something, try to do these steps instead of just reaching for your phones. Remember, if we keep ignoring things, guys, if we keep numbing, if we keep trying to distract ourselves from what it's trying to tell us, it will show up later. It will get bigger. You can think of it a little bit like a fire, okay? A fire starts in your house. A lot of people try to put it out. That's great. Get the fire extinguisher. But another thing you could do is you could just ignore that the fire is there in the first place. You can reach for your phone instead and the whole house will burn down if you keep doing that. If you don't put out fires, they get worse. If you don't listen to things that your body is trying to tell you and you instead numb through extreme experiences like traveling or compulsive social media use or compulsive media, internet use, anything that you're trying to do to disengage with your body. I mean, those things can be used to get closer to our body in some ways. Like, of course, if you're using the internet to listen to this, this podcast um, that's helping you, I hope, feel closer to your body. But I just mean like in, in, in moderation, okay? If it's too much, it can be bad. When you feel stressed, when you feel anxious, try this instead. First, recognize, recognize. And also, by the way, guys, you can use this technique with your partner too. I'll give you an example of that just after. Recognize. I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling something. Recognize that an emotion is coming to the surface and that you're, you're feeling it, that it's, it's coming through your body in a sense. Just recognize that it exists. Then acknowledge. Acknowledge that you feel it. So in the first step, you say, hmm, I recognize that I'm feeling something. And the next step, you're going to acknowledge again. So, huh. Okay. I acknowledge that I feel something. I think it's stress. I acknowledge right now that I'm feeling stressed. Step two. Good. By the way, guys, with your partner, just recognizing and acknowledging how they feel often does absolute wonders in times of stress and conflict. So um, if your partner seems stressed, just recognize and acknowledge in a respectful way. So like, let's say that they're, they're I don't know, they seem kind of agitated. Just recognize and then acknowledge like, honey, um, is everything okay? And they can be like, yeah, why? And just be like, I recognize or it seems to me that you're a bit stressed. And then they can be like, hmm, well, 
I, you know, and just acknowledge how they feel. We talked about acknowledgement and conflict resolution. Like, even if you don't agree with them, just acknowledge that it exists. Ugh, I feel so stressed. I feel like, yeah, you know, there's just a lot going on right now. I have a lot going on with work and stuff. And just acknowledge, okay, I see that you are stressed because there's a lot going on at work. Hmm, just know that I'm here with you. Like, just acknowledging is like, wow, they care about me. Actually, knowing that, like, putting my finger on it and recognizing what it is, is really good. Like, that they did it makes me feel good, okay? That's like a, just like a thing in general. Just recognizing it is often just does wonders on its own. And we talked about that also in teamwork. We said, you don't have to agree with your partner. Just take their side. Just, like, acknowledge that something's going on in their life and just say, like, poor baby, I'm here for you. I'm with you. You know, what can I do to support you? Okay? Recognize, acknowledge. More on that on in our episodes on teamwork a little bit earlier in the show. Now, the next thing is investigate. So recognize, acknowledge, rain, okay, the I, investigate. And investigate, we're trying to figure out why we are feeling this, okay? Why we are feeling this. So, huh, I recognize that I'm feeling an emotion. An emotion is coming up to me. Hmm, I acknowledge that this emotion seems to be stress. I acknowledge that it feels like tension in my body, specifically in my chest, and that my palms are a little bit tense and sweaty, and that my head feels heavy. Just acknowledging that is wonders. Then investigate. I wonder why I feel this way. I wonder what is causing these sensations. Think about it. Maybe it's because I haven't worked on my breathing the past couple days. Maybe it's because I haven't exercised in the past couple days. Maybe it's because I've been a little bit distant from my children or from my partner lately and I haven't been communicating with them as much as I'd like to. Just investigate. Just investigating the problem is often like does wonders too on its own. And then the M is non-identify. Now, this is a really, really important step because essentially what you're doing is you are thinking about the problem as if it's a cloud and you are a cloud. You, you are the person watching the cloud passing over you. Like you're at the park or something. I used to lie down on the grass with a book um, and do this. It's really fun if you haven't done it. Um, you lie like under the tree in the shade and you just watch the clouds pass and you point out the shapes in the clouds, okay? It's really, really fun. Um, the way that our brain looks for faces and things uh, and patterns to recognize threats before they are actual, like before we know if they're actually threats or not, I think is responsible for this process. So that's why we're so good at recognizing faces um, because it's so important for us to know, I think, if somebody's good or bad. Um, also, if like something is a tiger or a leaf kind of thing, I think that I think that was kind of a skill really, really emphasized in humans, but just, just a theory, just my theory. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, so non-identify. Think of the problem like a cloud and watch the cloud pass over you. And as the cloud passes you, let go a little bit. Recognize, it's so important that you say this. Like, this is the problem. Like, I 
am a separate entity from the problem. The problem is going to continue, but I am still me. I am still myself, okay? So, so we're acknowledging in a sense that the, the problem is there, but the problem isn't, uh, like, like we're not the entire problem. I, okay, now, I don't want this to go against what we talked about in terms of taking responsibility. Like, yes, we may be contributing to the problem, but I just want you to recognize that, that, that the problem is not your whole being in a sense. The stress, the feeling is actually a better way of, of talking about it. The feeling that you, you, you have going through you right now is not the whole feeling of, like, which... You know, that, that makes you who you are. Um, it's just a feeling that you're experiencing in the moment. And then it's going to change. And this also is really helpful, really beneficial when we go back to our love is commitment in spite of feelings glitching sometimes episode. Um, because if we, if we are feeling in a negative way, a very negative way, and like not persistently for two weeks, that may be a sign of an extreme situation like abuse or something like depression, um, but just like temporarily, fleetingly because of the glitches that occur. Um, I want you to think about it like, okay, I have this feeling and then it's passing. It's like a cloud. It comes and goes. And and just knowing that it goes and, and thinking about how that it, it goes is often enough to make you feel really good because it's like, yes, I have this. But you know, it's not it's not everything. It's gonna go eventually. Okay, rain. With your partner, you can help them also in these steps. So recognize the problem, honey. It seems to me that acknowledge, okay? I acknowledge that you feel stressed, maybe because of work or something, or even if they don't have the reason, just acknowledge that they feel bad. Acknowledge that you feel bad. I see that you feel bad. I'm here for you, I'm with you. Poor baby. Okay? Then we're gonna investigate. Honey. What do you think might be causing this stress? We're helping them. Like, what do you think maybe it's this? Could it be this? Let's think together. Let's be curious. Curious, remember, also when you're angry, be curious. See it as an opportunity to learn even more about your partner, like their soft spots, like their vulnerabilities, things that are going to help you feel closer to them, like their dreams. Okay? Um, and be curious. Just like try, try learn more about them. Try investigate Honey, do you think it's because we really wanted to do that dance class together, but we haven't been doing it? Maybe. And if they're not ready to know the answer, that's okay. Just be there and help them non-identify. Say, honey, take a deep breath. Remember all those techniques we talked about in conflict resolution, like that deep breathing, box breathing, um, and more. And also when we talked about stress reduction, just by meditating and doing things to help you reduce your overall stress level throughout the day, it's going to help you feel less stressed overall especially through exercise, um, which is going to degrade a lot of the stress hormones in your bloodstream, phenomenal for stress reduction. You get less of the stress hormones and you get a boost of the good hormones, like the endorphins. Um, but yeah, just say, honey, take a deep breath with me. Imagine your stress, imagine your pain as a cloud and watch the cloud pass overhead. Breathe in with them, breathe out with them. Watch it pass. You're helping them, you're helping them calm down, okay? Recognize, acknowledge, investigate, non-identify. I want to mention a little bit about the, more about the reasons why I think a lot of us don't deal with our emotions. We kind of just push them off or distract ourselves from them. 
I think it's because we feel like we have to be perfect. And that's also what was holding Shauna back in, in her book, Present Over Perfect, is that we feel like we always need to, to be at our best. We feel like, no, like perfect people don't show emotion. We're not allowed to show emotion kind of thing. We're not supposed to be sad. We're not supposed to be down. You know, we're not supposed to be dissatisfied. We're not supposed to feel like we aren't taking good enough care of ourselves, you know, or like we put so much pressure on ourselves. We think something like, I'm a bad person because I'm not taking good enough care of myself or like something happens. I must be a bad parent. I must be a bad partner. I must be a bad sibling. I'm, you know, I must be this. I must be that. Guys, this is really negative to walk around thinking that we're not good enough. I mean, I know that we have a lot to compare ourselves to with social media. We just look and see everything that we aren't, everything that we wish we were. Another big part of it, too, is also like advertising, I think. Advertisers, I don't know if you notice this, but they kind of like exploit your insecurities in a sense. Like they show you what you want to be, what you wish you had and what you wish you were to make you feel worse about not having that. And then they're like, oh, our product will help make it better for you. So for example, they'll be like, um, here's a bunch of people happy together, smiling. I know you feel lonely. So we're going to show you this to make you feel like you don't have good friends. And like, you know, you don't actually matter because like, if you were cool, you'd have these friends. And then they're like, buy our soda because it'll solve this problem for you. They kind of like increase our insecurities, make a gap out of them, and then try fill in the gap with their product. But guys, like, this isn't going to work. The the way around it is through self-care, through trying to build your self-esteem by making a list. We talked about this already, but like making a list of things that you want to think more about of yourself. Like, I am good enough. I matter. I am equal to other women, other men. Like, I'm good enough, you know? I'm strong. I'm resilient. I'm important. I'm worthy. I can succeed. I matter. We so often feel like we're not good enough. But by making a list of these things and repeating them to ourselves, day after day, we can facilitate in our heads because our thoughts become, our actions become our life. These thoughts that we want to to think about, okay? By thinking about them over and over and over and over again, we're eventually going to form a habit of thinking about them more in general, and we're going to feel better, okay? And if, if it's, it's a big problem, you can always seek professional help to help with that too, okay? To help build and facilitate self-esteem. Okay, so why am I talking about numbing and this RAIN technique and the importance of feeling um, on the show about relationships? I think it's because all this numbing is actually making us much more distant from our partners, that's one. Two, it's making us more irritable, more anxious, like more more negative in a sense, because we're not taking proper care of ourselves by disregarding our emotions, thinking that they're not important. Um, That's two. And the third is because we, in in a sense, we're not giving our partner the opportunity to really care for us, to have that opportunity with them to do their role and make them feel closer. Like we're building up that emotional bank account. We're giving them a chance to give so they feel closer to us and a chance for us to receive a gift so that we can again then feel closer back to them. 
So, so let's get let's go through this. So, like, if if it's easier to reach out to our phone and tell our honey, like our partner, honey, it's fine, you know, like I don't, you know, stop. We're not giving them that chance, guys, to get to know us. Remember, we said how important love is knowing. When the more that we love somebody, the more we end up knowing them. The more that we I hope when it's real love. Also, the more that we know somebody, the more that we can love them, the more we know about them. Also, when times are good, the better we can understand them and make sense of their actions and try to judge them more favorably when times are bad. Okay? So if we're always numbing, 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 reaching for the phone, how are we going to allow our partners the opportunity to connect with us? Now, maybe if our partners have been numbing for so long... They don't even have the ability to experience the intense emotions that come from engaging. Maybe we numb because we're just so uncomfortable with the idea of experiencing emotion. We form a habit of not feeling for so long that when it comes to feeling again, we don't even know how. Because we're humans, we have to feel. If you ignore your feelings, it's going to show up with problems with your body, we're really good today in a sense of recognizing our bodies and taking care of our bodies. Like people know better now, to, you know, know more now to eat better and exercise because we can't, we can't also not deal with our feelings. We need to nurture and take care of our feelings the same way that we take care of our bodies. A big part of that is inviting our partners to help us through that. And if our partners are incapable in the moment, maybe they've been numbing so much that just the thought of, again, of emotions, it's just making them feel like they can't do it. Oh my goodness. What a problem we have if numbing is stopping us from coming together in the first place because it's easier, it's more convenient just to open a YouTube video than it is to go and ask for help. Guys, it is okay to ask for help. If there's one message that you take away from this podcast, is even though it's a little bit easier to just numb um, or you should still ask for help and it's okay. You shouldn't feel like it's not okay. We're human. A lot of people think that you're weak if you ask for help. If you tell your partner that you need something for them or you tell your friend that you're down, people think it's weak. But guys, it makes you strong because you recognize that that is what humans need to grow and to thrive. And you're strong for for coming to that realization and taking part in it. And guys, also, people respect people who ask for help. And Nate Brown so Brene Brown talks about this a lot in her books, Dare to Lead and Daring Greatly, where she says that people really appreciate those who are vulnerable, vulnerable like, like show kind of like their, their feeling side a little bit more because they trust them more. They see them more as humans, okay? Now, I mean, I wouldn't be vulnerable like with, with, your, to, with your work colleagues so much, but with your partner, guys, then I, I'd say that honestly, it's their job as your partner to support you in that way. Now, remember that we talked about modeling, having to model what we want to see in our partner. So a way that we can do it is we can start asking our partners first, honey, what's wrong? I want to be here for you. I want to support you. And then we can come to our partners also at the beginning first to tell them, honey, I'm feeling a little bit down. Can you give me a hug? 
And also guys, having that teamwork conversation when you guys, when, when you say, honey, when I come to you for help, I don't need you to solve all of my problems. I just want you to listen to me. And I know that it's hard for you because it makes you feel intense. And it's hard for you to see me like this. It's hard for you to see me so down. And I know that it causes you a lot of pain, but I just want you to know that it makes me feel really close to you when we do that. And it makes me feel much better. And I don't want you to feel pain. I mean, I can't change the way that you feel, but I just want you to know that it's okay. Maybe you feel like it's a really big deal to be sad, but I want you to know that everyone's sad and it's okay to be sad, okay? And I know that sometimes you're sad too, and I want you to feel comfortable coming to me and telling me about that when you feel it. Guys, that is so beautiful to say that. So, so beautiful. It's going to help them hope open up to you more and feel better around you. And remember habits, guys. Habits take a while to change. you got to repeat, 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 repeat before they stick. Now, so if, if for such a long time we had this habit of always going for the phone, always numbing, always doing anything except engaging with our feelings. It's going to take a little bit of time before we get comfortable engaging with them again. It, it may be uncomfortable for your partner, okay, as well, but just slowly, slowly, slowly kind of change the dynamic. They may tense up a little bit. I hope they won't, but they might. But eventually, I hope that they'll be a little bit more comfortable. Comfortable. Now, just remember also, okay, this this whole perfect, not feeling good enough, um, it really, really affects our self-esteem. And it actually makes it hard for our partners too. Um, because if we don't ask for help and we don't listen to our bodies, we neglect our bodies, we're going to be a little bit more distant from our bodies eventually. Over time, our bodies are going to learn that our feelings aren't worth being taken care of because we're not taking care of them ourselves, okay? And that's going to affect our self-esteem. If we think of our feelings as not worthy, then why are we worthy? That's the thing. We have to take care of ourselves, okay? We have to treat ourselves like we matter, to build our self-esteem. If over time, we keep distancing ourselves from our body, we keep distancing ourselves from the idea that we're worth being cared for and we're dealing with things in the moment, instead of waiting, waiting, waiting till they explode, it's going to be really hard for our partners to be around us. It's hard. Remember, we talked about codependence, independence, interdependence. If we can't have a stable self-esteem, we can't really be independent because part of being independent is, is having a strong sense of yourself that's kind of consistent over time and being able to have like a, at least a, a relatively simple self-esteem in the sense that you deserve, you, you think that you are worthy of love, you know, worthy of being taken care of, worthy of like, worthy of being a person, you know, like if, if you don't have this, and you, you kind of push your partner to build it for you. It's a lot of work for them. A lot, a lot of work. And again, like a professional, I think, would be helpful here. Wow, we're talking a lot about professionals in this episode. Um, but, but yeah, they are, there are a lot of benefits, okay? But just what I'm saying is like treat your body treat as, as if it's something worth taking care of. Treat your mind. That's so important. Treat your mind as if it's something worth taking care of. And then it will make it easier for your partner because your partner can't do all the taking care of you. That's why we have interdependence, okay? You take care of yourself 
for the most part and your partner fills in the gaps, the extra things that you can't do on your own. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't go to your partner for help when you feel down. No, that is creating the opportunity for them to give to you and to feel closer to you by not going to your partner, by numbing, guys, by disengaging with your body and in a sense, lowering your self-esteem. You're make, it's, it's like a lose-lose because... A, you're not taking care of the problem. It's like the fire that's just going to burn down the house now if you don't take care of it. And B, you're not giving your partner the chance to connect. And remember, guys, habits. It's hard at the beginning. But if you keep pushing, the hardest thing is almost always starting. It will come. Okay? It will come. Remember, there may be a lifetime of habits that you're trying to change. Okay? It's hard. I'm not telling you that it's easy. But almost nothing in life is easy. So just remember to acknowledge how you feel and try to connect to yourself, be a little bit closer to you and cultivating the things that make you who you are. Because if you don't deal with fires, they burn down the house. And as humans, guys, we all deserve to feel. We're going to talk more about this um, and meaning when we talk about Viktor Frankl. Um We'll talk about this more in relationship dynamics when we talk about love addict, love avoidant behaviors, how all of these affect our feelings. And guys, honestly, issues that aren't dealt with, numbing, numbing, numbing makes it worse. When we don't acknowledge our feelings, we get a whole, whole lot of problems um, that can lead to other very negative things like estrangement, which we'll talk about very soon on the show, too. Big, big message. A lot of society today, okay, says take care of your body, take care of your mind and thoughts too. And remember, guys, you are good enough. Viktor Frankl talks about this so much in his book, Yes to Life. Just by being alive, just by being a human, you are good enough. I'm sorry that there's so much advertising today and social media and other things that are making it easy for us to feel like we're not good enough and disengage. But when you work to take care of yourself, you can make it easier for you, for your partner, for everyone around you, and improve the health and stability of your relationship. With that, I'm going to wrap up this episode where we talked all about numbing, how we try to disengage with our bodies and why it is so important to treat our bodies as if they are something worth taking care of, not just from a physical sense, but also an emotional one. I'm so happy that you stuck with me to the end to learn this really, really important concept. I'm super excited uh, to welcome you back in future episodes where we continue our discussion. Uh, we're going to talk about meaning, we'll talk about estrangement, and more. We also have some special guests and storytelling lined up for you. Check us out online at Learn to Love Media. Uh, if you want to continue this discussion with us and engage, I can't wait to connect with you there. Also, send us an email at contact at learnedlove.ca. I can't wait to see your feedback on the show and hear more about what you want to see. And as promised, check out our Udemy course. I'll play uh, the trailer for it at the end of the show. Um, we're also mentioning our blog. We have a new blog post just released uh, on conflict resolution. There'll be more underway over the next couple days. That's learnlove.ca slash blog. 
Can't wait to see your comments there and connect with you there too. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope that you found this episode meaningful and it will help you thrive in your relationship. And I can't wait to welcome you back in the next episode. As promised, here is the trailer from the Udemy course. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. My name is Dory, and I'm a researcher, author, and presenter. I've studied on three continents and traveled around the world to spread my vision of healthy relationships and stronger families. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. This course will help you stay together based on the latest research in relationship psychology. At the end of this course, you'll have the tools to build the loving relationship of your dreams. You'll thrive in times of conflict, feel better understood, know what to do, and be more satisfied without putting in much more work. This course is designed with a series of modules that each build upon the last. We'll discuss the biggest misconceptions about love, the stages of a relationship, how we share and receive love, setting effective limits, navigating and overcoming conflict, and building our teamwork muscle. I designed this course for the curious partner interested in building a strong and long-lasting relationship but feels overwhelmed by the task. Who doesn't have the time to read dozens of books and assess articles. Let me summarize the best of what I know for you through engaging videos, practical examples, fun stories and analogies, and short quizzes to test your understanding. Enroll in the course today or check out some free previews to get a sneak peek. Thank you for starting this journey with me to love smarter, not harder.